Hi, this is Mike Schuster. I'm a professor at Oklahoma State University's Spears School of Business, and you are listening to IP Fridays. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 75 of IP Fridays. Today's interview guest is Mike Schuster, assistant professor of the Oklahoma State University Spears School of Business, and he talks about marijuana-related trademarks. So stay tuned for that interview. Before we jump into the interview, I have news for you from uh, the World Intellectual Property Office regarding Madrid trademarks and also um, very current news about the UPC. So first talking about the Unified Patent Court. Just two days ago on March 15, the final preparatory committee um, signaled the state of readiness. And we will have a detailed interview about this uh, in the next episode with Eileen Tottle, who is the head of the Secretariat of the UPC, um, talking about this. So um, stay tuned for next um, episode. But um, just to let you know, there have been some interesting um, developments and stay tuned for in two weeks. WIPO has just published the latest statistics about Madrid trademark applications in 2016. So the total number of uh, international registrations under the Madrid uh, system went up 7.2% to a total of 52,550 trademark applications, which is a record. And um, they also talk about the top countries and top applicants. So for as for the applicants, the top 10 applicants are L'Oreal, then Glaxo Group, BMW, Lidl, Novartis, Philips Electronics, Böhringer Ingelheim, Biopharma, Daimler and Nestle. And as for the top 10 countries, these are uh, with uh, 7,741, the US, then Germany, then with a little bit distance, France and China, Switzerland, Italy, the UK, Japan, Australia and the Netherlands. So um, this is an interesting development, uh, I find, um, because the Madrid system is a useful system and I like this development very much. So now let's jump into the interview with Mike Schuster. Ralph, our guest today is Professor Michael Schuster, who is currently an assistant professor of legal studies in business at Oklahoma State University, Spears School of Business, located in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Professor Schuster has taught courses in commercial transactions, legal and regulatory environment of business, and patent law. He graduated from the University of Texas with a BS in chemical engineering in 2002. He then earned a JD summa cum laude from South Texas College of Law in 2007, and then went on to NYU School of Law, where he completed the LLM program in trade regulation in 2009. 
Welcome, Michael, to IP Fridays. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure to be here. So, Michael, <clears throat> I understand you have been writing about how U.S. the U.S. Trademark Office is treating applications for marijuana-related goods. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. My co-author, Jack Roldson, who also teaches at Oklahoma State, he and I started looking into how marijuana-related trademark applications are treated by the U.S. Trademark Office. And not surprisingly, we found that these trademark applications were rejected. Generally, we saw that the Trademark Office said this is an illegal good or service and therefore we're not going to grant you any protection. Now, that's really not that surprising, or at least it wasn't to us. However, we then started to look at a marijuana derivative called CBD oil or just CBD. And we found something that we thought was quite interesting, and that's that the U.S. Trademark Office is perfectly willing to grant protection to CBD oil, even though it is legally equivalent to plain marijuana. Mm -hmm. So how does the Trademark Office explain its treatment of marijuana-related applications? Well, we have this basic tenet of trademark law in the U.S., that a mark has to be used in commerce to be protected. Mm -hmm. That's not surprising. Well, the courts and the trademark office have furthered this idea to say that it needs to be legally used in commerce. Now, you see how that becomes a problem for marijuana. At the federal level, the Controlled Substances Act holds that marijuana is a Schedule One drug. A Schedule One drug are the most restricted type of drugs in the U.S. at the federal level. Now, we have plenty of state laws that have said we're going to make marijuana legal for recreational or medical use. However, this doesn't change federal regulations that hold marijuana to be illegal. So, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office had said, no, this is illegal at the federal level, therefore you can't make legal use of it in commerce, therefore we are not going to grant you a trademark and this makes some sense, because it would put the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office in kind of an odd position if they were granting trademarks for marijuana goods and services while another branch of the federal executive was prosecuting crimes under the Controlled Substances Act associated with those exact same goods and services. Now, I thought the federal government hadn't been cracking down on marijuana distributors in states that made it legal. No, that's absolutely true. Under the Obama administration, there had been a very, very low priority of enforcing the Controlled Substances Act with regard to marijuana in states that had set up their own legal regimes. However, there's actually nothing to prohibit or stop the Trump administration from going back to Bush II era crackdowns on dispensaries when there were commonly raids of marijuana dispensaries. The Obama administration made that choice to not enforce those laws with regard to marijuana. However, there was no actual change in the laws. Moreover, the present U.S. Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, he's a vocal opponent of marijuana. Therefore, I would certainly expect that we are going to see an uptick in enforcement of the Controlled Substances Act with regard to marijuana laws, regardless mm -hmm. of if a state has their own legal regime for marijuana or not. So, yeah, this is probably why the USPTO continues to not grant federal protection for trademarks 
for marijuana-related goods. It looked really odd if we saw the Trump regime was now prosecuting people for the exact same goods that the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office was giving trademark protection to. Now, Mike, you mentioned that the USPTO is treating a marijuana derivative called CBD differently. What exactly is CBD, and how is it treated under federal law? Okay. Well, CBD or CBD oil, it's a marijuana derivative. It doesn't get you high in the traditional way that people think of THC getting you high. THC is the primary psychoactive chemical in marijuana. Some people state that CBD oil can be used recreationally as a relaxant. Others will use it as a food additive. Still others allege that there's a host of different medical uses. The biggest one of those is for medical use with regard to seizure disorders. There have been several states, even states that don't have any pro-marijuana laws, that have created laws that will allow the prescription of CBD for very limited purposes with regard to seizure disorders. Now, at the federal level, the Controlled Substances Act has been interpreted by the Drug Enforcement Agency to hold CBD to be a Schedule One drug. Just like marijuana is, it's in that highest tier of illegality with regard to drugs. Now, I thought this might actually change with regard to the treatment of CBD by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office a few months ago. The DEA had held for quite a long time that CBD is a Schedule One drug. That's it. However, in December, they had officially promulgated CBD as a Schedule One drug under the Federal Register. However, we really haven't seen any difference in treatment of CBD-related marks at the trademark office after that. And so what has been the, the USPTO's position on CBD? How exactly do they treat CBD? Okay. Well, like I said, marijuana, you can't get trademark protections for at the federal level. However, CBD, they are largely willing to go ahead and register a mark associated with CBD-related goods and services. Now, this is really strange because CBD, under the Controlled Substances Act, is just as illegal as marijuana. So it would seem logical that if marijuana can't be used in legal commerce, and therefore you can't get a trademark for it, then you really can't make a coherent position that CBD, which is just as illegal under the Controlled Substances Act, can be used in legal commerce. Now, this legal incoherence even goes a step further. If you look to how the Trademark Office treats CBD applications, there's really no standard means by which they're going to examine these applications. Some examiners don't even mention the Controlled Substances Act. They simply look at the at the application and don't even address whether it is legal under federal drug laws. Some other examiners will ask the applicant, is this CBD derived from industrial hemp? Well, that is a question with no legal significance. Why? Because the DEA and the Controlled Substances Act doesn't find any general difference between industrial hemp and recreational marijuana. They are the same thing.
in the eyes of the drug laws. Hmm. Further, there are still other examiners who say, oh, is this from imported industrial hemp? Well, that runs into the exact same problem that we saw a moment ago. For purposes that we talk about in the paper, there is no difference between recreational marijuana and industrial hemp or imported industrial hemp. So the USPTO is showing this total incoherence in how they treat these applications. Very interesting, Mike. Do you and your co-author have any idea <clears throat> on how this disparate treatment of marijuana and CBD applications came about? Well, there's a substantial body of literature on how firms use legal uncertainty to their business advantage. Think Airbnb. Airbnb, is it a hotel? Is it a website? What exactly is it? And more importantly, what set of laws actually apply to it? Well, while people were trying to resolve this legal ambiguity, Airbnb is out there making itself into a billion-dollar company. We think that's what's happening, but on a much smaller scale here. At the time that we saw the first CBD applications being filed with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, federal enforcement of marijuana laws was in a law. There had been several recent state referendums that were pro-marijuana. The first CBD laws allowing CBD and limited purposes in states that didn't generally allow marijuana, they were being passed. Some people were even arguing that CBD was just generally legal. Now, while most of these physicians now are legally resolved, CBD is a Schedule I drug under the Controlled Substances Act, the applicants and the trademark examiners didn't know that at that time. So applicants were able to convince these examiners that, no, no, these CBD-related applications are different from those marijuana-related applications. We don't have that Controlled Substances Act illegality problem that they do. And they were successful in these arguments. And since then, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has just continued to grant these trademarks, even though we now know that, yeah, it's a illegal drug under the Controlled Substances Act. Hmm. Now, I understand your data set was amassed last September. Has there been any change in the trademark office's treatment of CBD since then? The last data that we pulled, just to double-check, make sure that we were still seeing the same treatment of CBD applications by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, shows that, no, there hasn't been any real change. Hmm. Now, like I said, the DEA made a promulgation in the Federal Register stating that CBD is a Schedule I drug. That was in last December. We thought that that might finally trigger some response by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. However, we haven't seen any difference in the treatment of these applications since then. And furthermore, we went ahead and took this step further. We sent a Freedom of Information Act request to the USPTO asking for any internal communications since that Federal Register issue came out on detailing how examiners were to treat CBD applications. Mm -hmm. They said they had no responsive documents. So there is nothing at the U.S. Patent and Trademark level that has, or U.S. Patent and Trademark Office level, that has addressed this question. We really haven't seen any change. So, Mike, where do we go from here? Do you expect or advocate for any changes from the present state of affairs? 
Well, Jack Robson, my co-author and I, both take no position in the paper or generally as to how this should be resolved, other than to say that the law should be applied consistently. Either marijuana and CBD, the marijuana derivative, are both illegal under the Controlled Substances Act, and therefore neither can be used in legal commerce and neither should get federal-level trademark protection, or both should be afforded protection. We just think there should be some consistency, especially as we see that CBD firms and marijuana firms are in direct competition. And where some of these parties may be able to get state-level trademark protections for purposes that we talk about in the paper, that's not legally or business equivalent. There are significant advantages to federal-level protection. Now, we do expect that we're going to continue to see advocacy in this field. Of course, CBD companies are going to want to maintain the gains that they have, their ability to secure these federal registrations, and marijuana firms are going to want to push to change the law or change the way the trademark office treats their applications such that marijuana firms may be able to get marijuana-related trademark protection at the federal level. Now, we think or we expect to also see marijuana firms that also have a little CBD business to start filing more CBD applications in hopes that they will be able to start to create some sort of goodwill in a CBD-related trademark. And then should the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office change its approach to marijuana-related applications, they may then be able to jump from that goodwill in the CBD market and secure protections associated with marijuana-related goods and services. And marijuana-related goods and services are much more valuable than the niche market of CBD, even though that's an incredibly explosive area of value in that particular market. Professor Schuster, will you be continuing to follow this subject as we move on in this year and beyond? We absolutely intend to. It may be that we don't see any changes in the law. We may see that this is the way it is and the way it always will be. However, when we have moved from the Obama administration and its generally relaxed view of marijuana enforcement to the Trump administration, who we expect will have a much more proactive enforcement of the Controlled Substances Act with regard to marijuana laws, we're going to see some real change. And this is also viewed in light of the fact that we have an ever-increasing number of states that want to pass laws stating that marijuana is legal for one purpose or another. So I think this is going to be a great area to keep an eye on in the future. Thanks so much, Professor Schuster, for joining us today on IP Fridays. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com iTunes and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. 
If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.